Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. So I wanted to make a couple of announcements. So you've probably heard me talk about the Motherhood Reimagined Tribe on this podcast. It's my new membership site and my signature support groups are going live later this week to a select group of founding members. So up until now, I've been referring to these small intimate groups as the Motherhood Reimagined Tribe Masterminds. And I wanted to let you all know that I just decided to change that name. And I know that's confusing and I apologize, but I realized that it doesn't totally convey what these groups are. So when I led a group like this before in the past, Women really wanted to continue indefinitely. We had a six-month group, and at the end of six months, they were still trying or still thinking, and they were really bummed that we had to close the group. So this time, I want to make these groups available to you on an ongoing basis. You can subscribe and stay for as long as you like or as short as you like. So they're really not masterminds, which usually have a finite start and end date. So this week, I'm launching the Tribe Signature Level Membership. And right now, you can join a Tribe Signature Thinkers Triers group and a Tribe Signature Egg Donor Support group. And again, what these are is small, intimate groups of women that will be at the same stage of the journey as you, either thinkers or triers or contemplating or in the process of egg donation. And together we'll have weekly video calls during which time we can check in for emotional support, get logistical support, get the support and wisdom of the other women in the group. And then there'll also be an online private forum that's off of Facebook will be on the membership site. You can access it through your phone or your computer. It operates very similar to Facebook that you can tag people and respond to comments, but it's nice and private and not on Facebook. And then finally, the platform has tons of done for you research on logistical questions, as well as thoughts and reflections to help you process the emotional questions that come up on this journey for most women. This will shortcut the process for you greatly and help you really dive in and address those concerns that come up for so many women who are making the choice to have a baby on their own or making the choice to use an egg donor. So for a limited time, I'm enrolling founding members at a really reduced rate. That's $59 a month. And really and truly, this is such a steal to get a ton of access to me as well as other women in the group. So you just need to hop on over to my site, motherhoodreimagined.com, find the button for tribe, and you can fill out the application and I'll send you the order form as soon as we go live. I'm only taking 10 women. So as soon as I get to 10, I'm capping it and there will be no more more founding member rate. And also if you sign up before February 28th, you'll get a 45 minute free coaching session with me. Again, if I'm capped at 10 or if I already have 10 women, that offer goes away. So I'm only doing that until I get to 10 women or February 28th. So the full site will be launching the light membership, the signature and the VIP levels will be launching in mid April, but the special pricing won't be available then. So get in on the ground floor as a founding member now to a signature support group. I look forward to seeing you there.
Hello. Today, I'm joined by Sean Ford. How are you today, Sean? I'm good, thank you. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to talk to me. I know it's late where you're at. Thank you. <laughs> so can you start by telling me a little bit about what you expected for your life when you were a child and you thought about what your life would look like when you were an adult? Yeah. You know, I think I was like most children. I, I loved fairy tales. And I love that my grandmother was telling me all these fairy tales that, you know, the prince and the princess uh, lived happily ever after. So I guess I always imagined that a family would look like a, a mother and a father and a child. And even though I, I'm, I'm sort of brought up in a divorced family where my parents divorced when I was five, I didn't think about alternative family structures or modern family types. I was sort of, okay, I need a family. I need to find a man. That was uh, what it looked like. And then I imagined I would have four children and I will be married and live happily ever after. Mm. Very traditional. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then can you tell us what your path to motherhood ended up looking like? Yeah. Some of it was sort of uh, as the original plan or hope or a path because I did end up getting married when I was 28. I then got divorced when I was 32. And I was totally panicking about, you know, is my dream now lost forever? So my story was just in short, you know, I I dated. Uh, I tried to find someone to create a family with because I couldn't imagine going solo until one day I thought, okay, I have kissed enough frogs. None of these frogs have turned into a prince yet. And these frogs, they actually look my, like more toads now than frogs. And I'm just done. Mm -hmm. So someone told me about this woman in Denmark that had actually got pregnant with the help from a sperm donor, from a sperm bank. And she was now a solo mom. And it sort of rocked my world. I, I was in shock the first time I heard about it. And then I, I met this woman and I saw her family where she was a single mom and she has a lovely child. And then I just realized, wow, you know, this is a real family. Mm. And then I just decided to do what she did. It was a long process and a very long decision-making process. But yeah, I ended up having help from a, a midwife and a sperm donor from a sperm bank. And and then I had my daughter. Yeah. Mm. And how old is your daughter now? She is almost seven. Mm. Yeah, she's born in 2012. Wow. And you said a little bit that it was, you know, a long and difficult process. So what would you say you had to, like, let go of in order to embrace this idea of moving forward alone? I basically had to let go of the dream about having this uh, nuclear family, mm -hmm. you know, having a, a that traditional old-fashioned dream and, and looking back I am looking back at it now and it's like why did it why did it feel so lonely? Why was it so sad? Why why did I feel like a failure or or something? But I guess it's because the society sort of give you this norm, you know, you're supposed to go to school, then you have to get an education, then you have to get a home and then you know there's sort of expectations that you're not, you're not really aware of it. You're just following, mm -hmm. you know, whatever society of what's in the Hollywood movies, you know, they need to find someone where, yeah, I just didn't have the imagination growing up that it could be, you know, like, like, like in reality, I was more like into that fairy tale version. Mm -hmm. So one day I thought, okay, let's just be realistic here and forget about the fairy tale versions 
and what would actually what could be a good family for me. Do you know how you got there? What allowed you to finally put that fairy tale down? Enough, you know, I, I, my heart had been broken so many times trying to, you know, get a relationship that would be stable enough to base a family upon it. So one day I just said, you know, this is enough. There might not be this ideal man or this, uh, not even that it didn't have to be ideal, just, you know, a compatible life partner. I just realized, you know, I, I, that he might not exist but I'm not going to give up on the dream of having a family. I'm not going to give up on the dream of being a mom. And uh, one day I just I just had enough. And I said, that's it. I'm, I'm calling the sperm bank. I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more of, it, it was, it was not a, it was not a positive choice at the time. You know, it was not like something, oh, you know, I didn't feel empowered or anything. I felt like this was just the only way that I would ever become a mom. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that a lot of people sort of really hate the term single mom by choice because mm-hmm. of that. Like it's, at the time, it really does not feel like a choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I understand that. I, I think a lot of women can relate to that. You kind of referenced this kind of how you thought about it before and how it seemed so sad and like a failure and whatnot. And you kind of alluded to how you think about it now. Yeah. Can you say a little about how you feel about being a single mom now? Yeah, I feel completely different about it because if I could give myself some advice, you know, 10 years back in time, I would just say, you know, be happy from the beginning, you know, celebrate that you had made a decision. I want to start a family and not see it as a failure. So so that's that's what I sort of regret or would have done differently today is, just be realistic. This is a wonderful thing I'm starting to create. You know, I'm I'm bringing a new person into this world. So I would approach it completely different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as a celebration. Mm-hmm. And you said you used a sperm donor from a bank. Can you talk a little bit yes. about that process and how you how you pick the bank, how you pick the donor? Well, I live in Denmark, so there's not you know, so much choice. So I basically just went to the world's largest sperm bank, which is here in Denmark. It was more difficult than I imagined because I thought, oh, you know, you'll just pick a sperm donor. But there are so many to choose from. And it reminded me a lot about online dating, which, you know, I was really fed up at the time. So so I actually had help with one of my friends from law school. And we just sat down one day and went through all these profiles and, and just had a giggle about it where she was sort of allowing me to just be picky and, you know, take sort of the, all the seriousness out of it. And then one day I just, I had to change sperm donor a few times as well during the process. I didn't get pregnant the first time and not the second time and the third time. And then that sperm donor, he had sort of ran out or he got into quarantine or something. So I had to pick another one. And it was, yeah, I know it sounds crazy, Sarah, but when I found this particular sperm donor, I actually felt like this was just a match. I just knew, wow, mm. there might actually be a soulmate for me. He's just a sperm donor. Wow. <laughs> I was like, if I could meet this person, I would definitely date him. Uh-huh. Was, I think there was one thing I didn't like about him. It was like his taste of music or something like that. But the rest was like, yeah, I want that person. Mm. And thank God I could just, you know, get the sperm. I don't need to date him at all. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I felt this. I really liked him mm. somehow. That's great. And then were you doing IUIs to get pregnant? Yeah, just uh, four four times and mm. then I got pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Great. At the time, it felt like a nightmare it, I, because 
I didn't expect that it would be difficult to become pregnant. You know, my entire life up until then, I sort of tried to um, avoid being pregnant. <laughs> and then you sort of you think, okay, now I've I've gone, you know, went through insemination process, and I must be pregnant. But no, not the first time. That was a big shock to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't prepared that that it could be difficult at all to become pregnant. So that's mm. one of those things where you know, you get wiser eventually. So, mm-hmm. so looking back four rounds of, yeah, just insemination was not a big deal. I can see that when I talk to other mm-hmm. solo moms and single moms around the world. So, so now I feel blessed and lucky, but at the time it was, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go back to the sperm donor for a moment, any other advice you would give women who are picking a sperm donor? I know you had to do it a couple of times. Also any, like how the process changed for you each time oh i think you know we can talk about that for an hour (laughs) at least because there's so many things to consider i think the best my best advice would be you know it's okay to be piggy Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to just take someone who's there you know if if you don't like what's in that sperm bank you might actually you know go to another sperm bank because there are many other options and it's it's like if you go into a bar, you wouldn't just take, you know, whoever's in there with you, you know, home and then start creating a baby. So it's okay to be choosy and picky. And, and, and on the other hand, I also met some women who didn't choose. They just asked their, their doctor to, you know, to choose something for them. And I would say, okay, if that's how you can do it, then do that. Mm-hmm. I would probably advise women to get at a lot of detail, you know, if it's possible to get, you know, an extended profile or something, because your child might appreciate that eventually. Mm. So if if it's too difficult for you, get help, but then get as much information later so that you won't regret that later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And one thing I like to ask people is sort of the difference between how you felt about your donor and the whole process and the significance of the donor before you had a baby and after and as your child is yeah. growing up? Oh, good question. Because in the process, it, it felt like a huge, huge, huge thing that, you know, you just selected this sperm donor. Or, and then in real life, when you have your child, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, I love <laughs> my daughter so much. And if she has, you know, blue eyes or brown eyes or green eyes, it doesn't really matter. So just understand while you sit there and you have to pick a donor, it, it's enormous. And it's just as soon as I had my baby in my arms, you know, I forgot all about the sperm donor. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many other things that that's more important at that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of it's kind of fascinating how torturous and significant it felt like the most significant decision I had ever yes. made in my entire life. And yeah. then the, the second time around, it felt like a little less significant and a little kind of less bizarre. And then once your baby gets there, you're like, oh, what? Huh? What? Yeah. yeah. Sperm donor? Yeah. What? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any regrets about how you became a mother? No, not at all. The only thing I regret is that I waited so long because I have... I have tried to have another child and I've just, I'm too old. And now the, the age gap would be so big. I think my daughter's turning seven and, you know, I'm getting older. Uh, the grandparents, you know, my, my father died when my daughter was three years old. Mm. So the sort of the support network is just not the same. And 
yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm getting older and I don't have as much energy as when I was, you know, if I could have been a younger mom. So that's the only thing I regret is that I, I waited that long. You know, mm-hmm. why did I waste so much time in the dating jungle? You know, why did, why did I have to go through so many heartbreaks? Why didn't I just think, hey, I want to become a mom? What are the options? Instead of thinking I need to succeed in a relationship before I can have my family. I'd, yeah. Mm. Look at it from from reality instead how many versions of a family is there and there are so many uh-huh. versions to be a real family and yeah i wish i've learned that in school instead of you've been indoctrinated about you know this is what a family looks like uh-huh. so yeah i wish i would have been a bit more creative and yeah a bit more creative and and had more courage uh-huh. in, as when i was younger mm-hmm. yeah like I know you work with solo moms as well. How do you help women get that courage or that creativity, do you think? Mm. Well, I, I do coaching sessions. I do network evenings where they can just come and we can talk about these topics and just take take all the BS out of it, to be mm-hmm. honest. And <laughs> I just tell them, you know, just completely honest, you know, look at reality. You know, don't wait too long. Yeah, just do it, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you think your, or do you think your path to motherhood has in any way changed or altered the relationship you have with your child? So, like, does having a sperm donor as a father or a biological father, I should mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that's changed your relationship with your child in any way? Well, that's a really good question because. I've never tried anything else, Sarah, so how could I know? <laughs> Honestly. Good question. You know, yeah. You can imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I always just figured, you know, think about the positive aspects of motherhood in that way where I feel so blessed, for instance, that I, I didn't have this child in a co-parenting arrangement. And, you know, I'm, I totally understand if other, pe- other women or, or people choose to do that. I'm just, I love being a mom so much and I feel so privileged and happy. And blessed that I can be with her every day. Mm-hmm. I see some of my my friends and family, you know, when they get divorced and some of them lose custody over the child or they can only see the child, you know, one week and then they have one week off and they have to go through, you know, you know that as well. You're a lawyer. So, you know, if you want to a lawyer, you've seen all these terrible court cases about mm-hmm. how they fight over the children and they can't, you know, negotiate and be friends. And so... There are so many positive aspects in being a, a single mom or a single parent or solo mom, sole parent that, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think we have a very uh, intense and, and loving and great relationship. And yeah, I just feel so blessed mm. to, and also I think that it's in some ways the parenting might be much easier because I don't have to discuss with another person about important things you know what's what type of school do I want my child to go to and what sort of medical program or you know is she allowed to eat sugar or not as you know all these things it's just I'm the sole parent I'm the decider and and this is what we're gonna do it's really that simple yeah yeah compared to other families you know we live a very stress-free life there's no obligations to, you know, an, an in-law parents, you know, that we have to do all these parties or we have to attend things. You know, we just, my daughter get a lot of attention from me and she, yeah, she's still love of my life. You know, my life is, it's not on standby, I would say, but it's just not as important as, you know, she started school this year and it was huge just after mm. the summer. And, you know, I'm this mom, I'm taking my child to school every day and, 
you know, there's, you know, morning uh, singing lessons or you know, sort of every morning the, the entire school they meet for morning singing. And, you know, I'm standing there as, as the typical parent, you know, every morning where some of the other parents where they're like two parents, you know, they have to rush to work because, oh, they have to earn all this money and they need to have a big house. And where I'm just, you know, I don't need that. I decide what I want and we just need a house and, uh, you know, I rent an apartment and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. that I don't have to compete with other um, families or anything like that. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that's nice that I set the standards and mm. yeah, you know, you probably know what I mean, but also there's the, it's not just, you know, easy and it's, it's a lot of hard work as well, which we all know. And you're the sole breadwinner. Is that what you call it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I have to earn the money at the same time. I have to protect the child. I have to, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm the one. So, yeah. 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 I hear you. So what would you say is the most surprising thing about how things turned out or about being a mother? Mm, I think in terms of the process in be- becoming pregnant, the most surprising thing was that, you know, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And even though I only had to go, f- you know, four rounds of, of this easy, easy insemination, you know, I didn't even use any hormones or anything. I was just total natural insemination, just get the sperm, defrost it, and then had it done, you mm-hmm. know. That was a shock. It was a complete shock to me that, you know, it, it was not the first time. And and I guess that's just the lack of of interest in the topic or a lack of wisdom in terms mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So I think women who are listening here should take that seriously because many of them think, oh, you know, I'm just waiting, I'm waiting, and waiting. Yeah, and you know, you become 37, 38, 39, 40 years old. And they still expect that the body can actually produce a baby where I think, you know, you be a bit more modest about your own biology. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, that was the biggest aha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a topic obviously near and dear to my heart because I felt like I was completely misled into yeah. believing that you can get pregnant easily in your 40s and you can't. So I think that's it's a huge topic. I mean, and I think it is like we spend our life trying not to get pregnant and then mm, mm, nobody yeah. sort of nobody gives you the the flip side of the equation. Yeah. And then also because, you know, you hear in, in the news, oh, you know, this um, Hollywood actress now turning 38 is having a baby mm-hmm. or, you know, now this uh, 55 year old, you know, male superstars is becoming a father for the seventh time. So you sort of have all these hopes and they're not, and, and, and yeah, and obviously then you have a friend who's, you know, getting pregnant at 36 in, in her mm-hmm. first round. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lottery mm-hmm. and you, it's, it's just so uncertain and it's, you're so vulnerable when you just, you know, you, you wait. Yeah. We sort of talked about this already, but in hindsight, would you do anything differently if you know what you know now? Either in how you got pregnant or yeah. in the just the choice in general or any of it? I think I would have worked around my mindset to begin with mm. and, and turning this into this is a really good idea and look at all the positive things and, and not see this as a plan B. I wouldn't see this as a failure. I wouldn't see myself as, okay, if I can't have this fairy tale, this is a second best chance. I, I would reframe it in my mind. I'm saying... I'm going to celebrate this from day one. Mm-hmm. And that's also what I'm telling the, the women, you know, that hire me as a coach. I'm saying, you know, work on your mindset. 
you're okay. It's okay for you to be celebrated because, you know, we, we've probably been to many weddings, you know, with all our friends and then we have to celebrate that they become pregnant and we have to celebrate, oh, you know, have a baby shower and then the first child is born and we give them gifts. All that things where just look at your family as, as equal from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And also I would think what would be an ideal situation for the child to sort of be conceived into mm-hmm. instead of thinking as, oh, you know, I wish I had a boyfriend. And yeah, just allow yourself that this could be the most optimal way to becoming a family for you. And then don't think about what other people do because we never know in the end, you know, what would be the best thing? It, mm-hmm. This is the best thing because this is what happened and this is what we got. Be grateful and appreciate it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's another of my crusades is to make it not be a plan B, that I think it should be yeah. a legitimate choice that women consider yeah. as yeah. one of the options from the outset that you could, yes. you know, having a child alone is an option Instead of just the like, oh, all these other ways didn't work, so I guess I'll do this. Because I think, like you, when you were talking about how much you love being a single mother, I feel so similarly that it really is streamlined in many ways. And certainly everything does fall to me, and that is intense. But yet there's also this way that it's streamlined where there aren't debates about things, and there is no expectation that someone else is going to help me, so there's no disappointment and there's no sort of like cycle of hope and disappointment that I'm constantly getting rocked by. I just sort of know it all falls yep. to me, <laughs> which yes, is yes. which is hard, but it's also simpler in a way, which is hard to explain to people. But I think I, from what you were saying, it sounded like you feel very similarly. Yes, absolutely, Sarah. Yeah. And what advice would you give to someone if they were struggling to become a mother or wondering you know, if they had a completely different path, then, you know, they had that fairy tale and they're sort of getting older and trying to decide what to do next. I know you've spoken in many ways about it, but anything else you'd like to mention? Yeah. Again, I guess back to the mindset that think about all families are real families. Mm. You know, whatever version that you end up with, you know, you're equal as a family and it's the right family for you. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really lovely. And in what ways has being a mother been totally different than you expected or sort of its own reimagining? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, I I didn't even know what to expect. And <laughs> because it, it's just so much more wonderful than I could have ever imagined. You know, my entire life, I've been I've been I've had a wonderful life, you know, up until I became a mother. But as soon as I become a mother, it just didn't really matter a thing, mm-hmm. you know. Sitting there as a mom and you, you know, you see your baby for the first time, <laughs> you know, it's where my life started. It, it sounds mm. maybe a bit corny here, but it was just, you know, having gone through law school, having traveling the world, you know, been married, all these things, you know, scuba diving, all, you know, what, what, what had been good up until then. It was just, it, it felt like pointless, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like it was just, it was just a waste of time. But I also think I've sort of been interested in, you know, personal development or self-help and uh, spiritual work and all this, you know, traveling the world and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with me and who am I. And I just see all this, you know, meditation practices and, you know, mindfulness and all the things that I learned. It's just been prepping me to become a mother. 
So, you know, people often ask me, oh, aren't you doing any meditation courses anymore, Sina? And you should still learn. I was like, you know, I I practice every day staying calm and being centered, <laughs> being a single mom. You know, there are so many things you need to do. This is like, you know, spirituality in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't need sit, you know, yeah, I like meditating and relaxing is not that. But, you know, I don't need to go on a on a silent retreat or, to, you know, to, to find out who I am. I just need to get the household running. Mm-hmm. I need to do lunchboxes again <laughs> tomorrow. I need to buy groceries. I need to pay the electricity bill. You know, there's so many things that you just have to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So so just staying centered and all that, that's the best personal development I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, she's very smart, you know, and she's she's challenging me in a good way all the time, you know, to to, uh, to love myself more. That that was actually a big surprise for me, Sarah. I don't know if, if you experienced that with your child as well, but, you know, if I, if I sort of, you know, I'm tired or I talk down about myself, she'll correct me and mm. say, hmm, you know, I can see that, you know, it hurt her because I'm her mom. I'm her one and only still, you know, she's only just about turning seven. So, so she's not starting to think that there's anything wrong with me or that I have, you know, been a bad parent or anything. I'm just, you know, I'm the love of her life too. And we just mm. really enjoy having this wonderful, loving relationship with each other. And that's been surprising for mm. me because I, I'm not sort of brought up in a family like that at all. You know, I'm born in 74 and, you know, your parents are just a product of whatever their parents are. So, mm-hmm. so in that way, it's, it's been so much better than mm. I had ever imagined or hoped for. And it keeps getting better every day. I guess I'm surprised about that well, as well. When, when I saw my daughter for the first time, I thought, oh, my God, my heart exploded from mm. happiness and love. And I just felt, wow, this is the biggest moment. But, Sarah, I feel that every morning when I wake up and my daughter is there, I feel, wow, my heart is expanding a little bit more. Yeah, and, and we just live a very simple life where, you know, she goes to school and I work from home and I, I love working from home because it gives me the freedom. For instance, one day, I'll, you know, the, I can pick her up early after school if, if she's been a bit tired or, for instance, here yeah, on Wednesdays, we do yoga classes where I bring one of her friends mm. and I take the kids to yoga classes. I just love it. I remember I had a gay friend who who asked me a few years ago, but seen it, do you have a life? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I believe I have a life, but you know, he was he was he was he was married with a with a man and they did not want to have children and you know they were living in a big city in Canada and traveling the world and you know, being on a safari in Africa and I was like I'm thinking like, do you guys have a life? I mean, traveling the world, so what? You know, I have created a life Mm. so yeah i might not have a life in your point but i've actually created new life Mm. and it's a bit like when you tune into a different radio channel you know before you become a mother it's more like you know the disco channel having fun going out partying it's a very easy life and you know not so many obligations where you know you 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 have a child and you just turn into a different channel where you know this is this is serious stuff you know you, you mm-hmm. it's more about practical things and how to run a household and how to do it yourself you know put up a you know things like just doing yeah basic uh, handy men or handy woman things around the house <laughs> you know you you just have to figure it out and 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 just try and you know worst thing that can happen is that you break the chair you're trying to fix or something oh you know yeah <laughs> move on so so I guess this uh, single mom life has also made me so much stronger than I've ever imagined. And in times, you know, sometimes you've been so tired, you felt so broken that 
you just you didn't know what how to continue and then you know you might just sleep for one hour and then keep going or you reach out for help that's been difficult for me in terms of because I have always liked to do things on my own I've competed in triathlons in a very young age where you know you, you have to do things on your own so the best I guess my best tip to other solo mom is that you need to ask for help and you need to continue asking for help and you need to just expand that comfort zone in asking strangers for help and that's okay that's actually a strength that mm -hmm. the more help you can receive it's benefiting your child that's been a big lesson for me yeah i hear you <laughs> okay I, yeah i think asking for help and figuring that out is is a big one i don't really have a lot of family help my parents live far away my sister lives pretty far away and so yeah if i need help i have to ask friends or pay for it and i think that's yeah. it's yeah. you know you just you just have to do it yeah or, or swap services i mean wh what i experienced is that I, I thought I would be like, you know, the one with the least resources. You know, I was always be the one asking for help. I would be the one to do, oh, they will feel pity for me. But I've just learned that, you know, I am a resource as well in this sort of, you know, the local community or in my daughter's uh, new class now in school where on Wednesdays, for instance, as I said, we, we go to yoga classes, you know, and I'm offering to, to take one of the other children every Wednesday so that her parents, they can actually work one hour later, you mm -hmm, know, they only have to mm -hmm. pick up the child at five, where you should have to work up, they have to pick up the child at four. And then that way also you can make play dates where it's not just a single parent household where, you know, you like play dates. You know, if there's two parents, they enjoy having their, some, you know, a place to put their child for two or three hours during the weekend so that they can just be together or they can do other things. So I guess it's important that we see, you know, I can do this and I'm contributing just as much as the others mm -hmm. and okay. see yourself as a resource yeah, mm -hmm. and that, that you know what you have to offer you you know it's, it's very valuable advice you give to others because you be, you have to become so good at managing all these practical things that we become sort of you know strategically masters i guess mm -hmm. you just have to be smart because you only have 24 hours and there's all these tasks that has to be done and if you waste your time you know, just, just if you waste two or three minutes every day, you know, you you could be resting two or three minutes during that day. <laughs> right. So I become very strategic <laughs> in everything I do. You know, I don't just go down the stairs with the, you know, garbage bags. You know, I will prepare the garbage bags in the morning so that I will just take them down when we go anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just common small steps all the time where you learn how to get most value out of one hour. Mm -hmm. in a way that you won't be stressed mm -hmm. so that it's just you you strategically plan everything out in details right and and what i mean with this is that you can teach that to other families where they might just think oh you know if if you if there's a mother and a father and the father is away during the weekend you know this month thing oh you know i'm, I'm trying to be a single mom as well it's like mm, yeah and not really because you know that your husband will be back you know sunday evening and you know that there's money in the bank account. You know that you can sleep 100%. You know that because there'll be another adult in the household. So I guess in the beginning, I felt, you know, a bit sad about, you know, they don't really understand what it's like to be a sole parent. And then I sort of just let it go and think, you know, but how could they? They wouldn't mm -hmm. know. So I'll just tell them, this is what I need right now. And if you're willing to offer that in exchange or swap play dates, it's good. If not, you know, I'll ask another family if they would think, that what I have to offer is a benefit to them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think I think it shifted for me a lot once we started sort of daycare and and even preschool because, you know, I I prefer to have two kids together oftentimes like if I'm going to be alone, yes. I it's yes. so much more fun with another kid. Like I took another friend's kid to the botanical garden here a lot the other night. And it was so much more fun because we had him with us. So yes. I, I'm often the one who does that. And yeah, and then it gets reciprocated at some point. So I think that's, yeah, it's important to see that you're not just the one asking all the time. So yeah. And what do you like least about being a mother, would you say? Oh, well, I guess it's the, it's the amount of hard work. <laughs> Sorry, honestly, because, you know, sometimes when you're tired and you're standing, oh, you do the dishes again on your own. I'm actually starting now that my daughter has to do more chores at home and, you know, she has to, to help. But it's not a lot. She's still young, but I can see that I have to start integrating her more. Otherwise, I will end up being, you know, a bit, you know, sad and lonely in terms of all the housework. So, so I guess that's a way to just integrate our fun time in the weekend that, you know, I have to come up with some funny solution, how that we can vacuum together or fold the clothes. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's the massive workload that's just ongoing. Mm-hmm. For instance, just, you know, doing the laundry, you know, as a single person, you would do laundry once a week and it would all be done, neat and tidy. And that's it. Where when you have children, that's <laughs> just so much laundry <laughs> and you have to keep going and it never stops because you, if you finish one laundry, you know, basket, you can be rest assured that within half an hour, you know, someone spills something, caught mm-hmm. you on the floor or, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you, think you, just, you just don't know, but it's just basic reality in a family. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, mm-hmm. and it takes so much time and energy to, to run this household. So, so if I could hire a nanny, that's what I would do, mm-hmm. I guess, and feel good about if I had money in terms of making my life easier, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's part of, I think, you know, I moved to Mexico and it's so yeah. much cheaper to get help. And I have a cook yes. now and I have a cleaning lady twice a week. And it's like, it, it's so brilliant. So I have much far fewer hours of school. School's a lot shorter, but I can sort of survive because all these other things are taken off my plate. So we get to spend a lot more time together, which is nice. You are a smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart move. Yeah. It, was. it feels like a very smart move at this point. Yeah. yeah. So something I didn't, we haven't talked about or I haven't, and so if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I was curious how, if you've been talking to your daughter about the sort of her donor origins and how that mm-hmm. conversation's been going, and she's a little bit older than my child and a lot of my sort of yeah. friends with kids, so I'd love to hear how that's going. And Yeah. Well, I'm, I've always decided to be open from the beginning because – you know, there's one parent and she would see in other families there would be, you know, most of the other families, there would be two parents. So from the very beginning, when she was two years old, I started, I, I hired someone to to draw some uh, pictures so that I could explain the story. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up, you know, creating a children's book, which I then later published so other single moms, you know, they could use this. So I have I've told her from the beginning that there are many families and families can look in many different ways. And in our family, you know, her mom wanted to become a mom and she needed help from a man and she got a yeah a sperm cell and that's how she become pregnant. And then mommy and this child, they live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So that's been sort of her story from the beginning. When I wrote this book, I deliberately, you know, 
didn't tell her mommy could not find a man so we could not become a real family. I had to have help. And so I didn't, I, in this fairy tale version or the fairy tale that I educated her, yeah, started educating her up to, I, I did actually do that what I wanted from the beginning, that this is a great family to begin with. Now she's older, she's almost seven, and I'm surprised that she's not interested at all in knowing about her donor. She doesn't give it. You know, I was about cursing here, but she, she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really care. I have an extended profile. And some years ago, I, I showed her the baby photo I have of Donna. And she was like, I don't care, mom. You're my family. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, definitely true. And, you know, but it's a very vulnerable topic. If, for instance, I know that all the single moms, they, they see that this uh, sperm donor or the genetic family is very important. And, and they, they seek, you know, donor siblings and that. And I was like, I don't really feel that just because you share genetics that you're a family. I think a family is the one that you live with or the one that loves you, the ones that support you. So in that way, I have, I've chosen to go my own way and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put my daughter's donor number out. I'm not going to do a, a DNA profile on her. You know, we are family mm. and. But also, you know, I've I've chosen a non-anonymous sperm donor so that when she turns 18, if she wants to have contact with this with her sperm donor, yeah, you know, go ahead. It's your choice. You know, be my guest. You can travel around the world. You can find maybe hundreds of our siblings when you're ready and you want to. But it's not something I'm encouraging at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does she face questions from friends or anything at school around like, why don't you have a dad or... Does she seem yeah, to just sort of not, it doesn't really phase her? See, I've deliberately made her very strong in telling her story. And I'm also giving her the standard answers in terms of, no, I don't have a father. I have a mother and I have a grandmother. And then she, she would she would tell the other children, you know, families can look in many different ways. So I've sort of continued writing children's books that she can bring to school mm. at whatever appropriate age. And within the first week of her starting the new school, I, I gave her my latest book, which about all these different family types, and they, they read it in school. And I just realized that in her, you know, there are 24 students in her class. And, you know, we are solo mom family. There are divorced families. There are this, um, a boy who has two moms. So we already, even though I, I live sort of outside Copenhagen, and, you know, this is not city city at all, but it's just reality. Families do really look different ways. Mm-hmm. So I guess the best thing to do is, you know, make sure that your child is proud about her or his family and that they have these standard answers and let them understand there's nothing wrong with them, even though many of your other families, they might have a mom and a dad and, you know, four grandparents, you know, just mm-hmm. celebrate and honor what we do have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, you know, we'll see what happens when she turns 18. You can interview her in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, your mom just screwed you up. You, you should have lived this uh, way. But yeah, I've, I really think that, you know, we are a real family and she should be proud and happy of, of us. And, awesome. and she is. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so tell us a little bit about your books and where we can find them. And so, uh, so mm-hmm. listeners can find them because I know they're amazing. I have one. Yeah, thank or you. Or two, I guess I have even. Well, I guess my website is just the easiest way. It's called happysolomom.com. Mm. And then they can find all, you know, all the things I do. Yeah. Okay, great. Did you want to say anything about that? So people, I know you're in Denmark. Mm, yeah, well, so just, you know, English is my second language. So I do most of my work in Denmark and I work with European women. 
but uh, I have translated my books into different languages. And yeah, if if the book is not in your language, it will be in English. So awesome. start with that, and then awesome. maybe just translate it and tell it in your own your own language, and use the pictures to to sort of give your child an idea about reality. That's what I would like them to to be brought up in the real world and not put all these stupid fairy tales into our children so that they feel that there's something wrong with them because they don't live in a fairy tale version of a family, but mm. make them be proud of whatever family type they have. That's that's good and mm. it's great. And mm. we're all we're all equal. Yeah. Awesome. Any advice or anything else you want to add? You know, I've I've done a lot of sport and I like the the Nike slogan just do it. <laughs> you know, it's similar just you know, and, and stop waiting, you know, take responsibility, look at reality, be honest about what are you as a person? Are you into living a single life and do you just perform best as a single person? Well, you know, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Then it might be obvious that you should also have a child as a single person. And be yeah, be happy with who you are. I think I said that in the beginning, Sarah, where, you know, be happy from the beginning. See this as this is a really good choice and celebrate it. And don't see it as a plan B because this is a great plan. Yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for joining us and for staying up late to chat with me. I know it was late on your end. So I've really enjoyed having this conversation with you. Thank you, Sarah. Great. And I hope everyone looks for your books. The link will be in the show notes. And yeah, we'll talk more in the months and years to come. Definitely. Okay. If you liked today's episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher to subscribe and leave a review. I so appreciate your support to spread the word about this project. If you'd like to hear more about my journey, please read my memoir, Motherhood Reimagined, When Becoming a Mother Doesn't Go as Planned. It's available everywhere books are sold. Bye for now.